Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, sir, it was a week of gifts. More to come, I guess. But uh, one that stood out to me, the um, House January 6th Select Committee. Donald Trump even argues that it's select. He says it's an unselect committee. He won't let one point go. Um, But the, the select committee released Donald Trump's tax returns, most of them, for a four- or five-year period. And most of the stories that uh, followed that release were, um, and I think it's pretty pretty safe to say, they were nitpicking. They were going for uh, odd little details. I mean, odd little details. The fact that he paid uh, zero taxes in the year 2020 was, you know, newsworthy. But... To me, the big story was just this. If you were around and paying attention in 2015 and 2016, you heard presidential candidate and even then president-elect Donald Trump saying this on the subject of releasing his tax returns, which every president since, I think, the mid-'70s had done without qualm, qualmlessly. And I'm under audit, a routine audit, and when the audit's complete, I'll release my returns. I don't know when that's going to be, but when the audit is complete, I'll release my returns. I have no problem with it. It doesn't matter. He has only one problem with it, it turns out. The uh, House January 6th committee, now given possession of Trump's tax records, Revealed this week, a gift to be cherished, perhaps. Revealed the fact that he was not, in fact, being audited, as the law required of incoming presidents and sitting presidents. Wasn't audited while he was running. Wasn't audited for the first two years of his term. The IRS commissioner at the time said they didn't have enough personnel. 400-plus shell companies. They're beautiful in the sunlight. Um, They didn't have enough people to audit him. They asked for more money for more people. The Republicans went on an anger rampage about that. Have been the last few weeks. Now we know why. He couldn't release his tax returns because he was being audited, and he couldn't be audited because... His taxes were too complex. You know, ladies and gentlemen, not much is perfect in this life. But that sure is. Hello, welcome to the Happy Holidays edition of Hello, Welcome to the Show. It's gonna be together. 
this Christmas the fireside is blazing bright. We're caroling through the night, and this Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me. Presents and cards are here. My world is filled with cheer and you. This Christmas, and as I look around, your eyes outshine the town they do. This Christmas, fireside blazing bright. We're caroling through the night. Time is here, by golly, disapproval would be folly. Deck the halls with hunks of holly, fill the cup and don't say when. Kill the turkeys, ducks and chickens, mix the punch, drag out the dickens. Even though the prospect sickens, brother, here we go again. On Christmas Day you can't get sore, your fellow man you must adore. There's time to rob him all the more, the other three hundred and a six, a D, a four. Relations sparing no expensel, send some useless old utensil, or a matching pen and pencil, just the thing I need, how nice. 
It doesn't matter how sincere it is, nor how heartfelt the spirit. Sediment will not endear it. What's important is the price. Hark the herald tribune sings, advertising wondrous things. God rest ye merry merchants, may ye make the yuletide pay. Angels we have heard on high tell us to go out and buy. So let the raucous sleigh bells jingle, hail our dear old friend Kris Kringle, driving his reindeer across the sky. Don't stand underneath when they fly by. Merry Christmas, baby You sure did treat me nice I said, Merry Christmas, baby You sure did treat me nice Gave me a diamond ring for Christmas Now... I'm living in paradise Well, I'm feeling mighty fine Got good, good music on my radio Oh, I'm, I'm feeling mighty fine Got good music on my radio Well, I wanna kiss you, baby While you're standing beneath the mistletoe Christmas special. No singing, 
No celebrities. No snow. No Santa. Spend an hour of your holiday season lighting up the tree inside as Deepak Chopra takes you on a journey to the Christmas within. There's no room at the inn. There's no room inside. Don't scorn the innkeeper. Make some room. Clean out at least a stable's worth of your brain for the baby that is you. Only on public television. A Christmas special. This special. So, given what we know about the man-body connection, what was Rudolph feeling that made his nose turn red? Asking that question is the present we should be giving ourselves. If you think a Christmas special has to be colorful, you're in for a treat. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. Let's find the center of that snow. Christmas Within, the Deepak Chopra Holiday Special. Only on public television. We entertain notions, not people. And this is the... Holiday edition of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to a show that's a, a quarter done already. Never too late to be welcomed, is it? Uh, we will, right now, have the um, few apologies that have occurred during this holiday period, and then more cheer and joy. Won't you? Dateline Lamangan, Indonesia. A bomb maker in the Bali blasts that killed more than 200 people 20 years ago has apologized after his early release from prison stroked the anger of the Australian government survivors and families of the dead. Umar Patok, or sorry, Patek, also vowed to show his loyalty to Indonesia in his first comments after his release. From prison, Patek was a member of an Al-Qaeda-linked group that detonated bombs at a bar and nightclub on the Indonesian resort island in 2002, killing 202 people, including 88 Australians, hence their anger. That was Southeast Asia's deadliest militant attack. He was freed from prison in the city of Surabaya in East Java province last week after serving half his term. That angered Australia's victims and relatives and survivors. Attack survivor Peter Hughes, an Aussie who spoke at Patek's trial, called it laughable that he was released. Patek said, quote, It is my obligation to express my apology for the rest of my life. I apologize to all of the victims. I also apologize to the Australians who've experienced severe impacts from the Bali bombing crime. He said to reporters in the East Java town of Lamangan, he was found to have made the bombs used in the assault on Bali say, an island popular with foreign tourists. Indonesian officials said he would be required to follow a training program for the next eight years, and his parole would be revoked if he committed a violation in that period. When asked about his release, Patek said, I just need to show my commitment to the government and loyalty to the country. I will show them through my actions. 
Indonesian authorities said they believe Patek, who was captured in Pakistan in 2011, had rehabilitated himself inside prison after completing a de-radicalization program. Australia has called for him to be closely monitored. Patek says he wants to devote himself to de-radicalizing other extremists, if not de-extremizing other radicalists. Dateline Rome. Confirming remarks by a Russian government spokesperson, the Vatican has said that Pope Francis has apologized for controversial recent remarks that Russian minorities are responsible for the most cruel acts in the ongoing war in Ukraine. In a statement to journalists, Vatican spokesman Matteo Bruni said, quote, I can confirm regarding the comments made by the Russians about the apology from the Vatican that there have been diplomatic contacts in this regard, unquote. Well, don't overdo it. His statement came after Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova at a meeting in Moscow said that a message had been received from the Vatican through diplomatic channels, which contains an official statement on behalf of the Secretary of State of the Holy See in connection with the statement of the Pope. This message, Zakharova said, states the Vatican's Secretariat of State apologizes to the Russian side and voices the Holy See's deep respect for all the peoples of Russia, their dignity, faith, and culture, as well as for other countries and peoples of the world. Well, I guess they did go too far. The ability to admit one's mistakes is becoming less and less common in modern international communication, Zakharova said, saying the Vatican's message, quote, shows that behind the Vatican's calls for dialogue is the ability to conduct this dialogue and listen into interlocutors, unquote. Pope Francis caused a minor diplomatic row last month when in an interview with a Jesuit-sponsored magazine, he defended his actions on both China and Russian against critics who argue he's been excessively silent. Reflecting on the human cost of the war, the Pope said that ever since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, He's received much information about the cruelty of the troops. As a rule, the most cruel, perhaps, are those who are from Russia but do not adhere to the Russian tradition, such as Chechens, Buryats, and so on, he said. He was referring to two ethnic minorities who often supply frontline troops in Russia's conflicts, i.e. draftees. Chechens from the southwest of Russia are mostly Muslim, while Buryats are a Mongol ethnic group indigenous to eastern Siberia, who traditionally follow Buddhist and shamanic beliefs. France's comment was met with intense blowback from several Russian officials, as well as representatives of the Chechen and Buryat communities. Zakharova recently suggested that as a result of the remarks, the Vatican has lost its credibility as a potential moderator in peace negotiations. But Zakharova now calls the Vatican's apology truly respectful, saying, we believe this incident has been settled. And another incident, taking even longer to be settled, Dutch slavery, or the slavery of the Dutch towards other people into which they were pressed. The Netherlands has now apologized for its colonial past and the enslavement and exploration mandated by the Dutch state during the 17th, 18th, and 19th century. 
centuries. Judge Prime Minister Mark Rutte said that slavery must be recognized in the clearest terms as, quote, a crime against humanity. The speech in The Hague on Monday of this week came ahead of ministerial visits to the Caribbean and Suriname. In his remarks, the Prime Minister said, Today I apologize for the past actions of the Dutch state to enslaved people in the past. Unquote. Critics have complained of insufficient consultation and say the uh, way it's been pushed through by the Dutch cabinet has a colonial feel to it. Six Suriname foundations sought a court order, yes, court order, to push the apology back to the 1st of next July. That would mark the 160th anniversary of the Emancipation Act, though it took another decade before slavery was actually phased out in the Dutch colonies. Along with a formal apology, the Dutch government is expected to allocate $212 million U.S. to awareness projects and pledge to spend $29 billion U.S. on a slavery museum. Hey, we don't have one of those. More than 600,000 people from Africa and Asia were trafficked by Dutch merchants between the 17th and 19th centuries. During the 17th, the Netherlands was one of the most prosperous trading nations in the world in a period known as the Golden Age that saw huge advancements in science and culture. Huge wealth was generated, according to the BBC, through state-mandated enslavement and exploitation on sugar, coffee, and tobacco plantations. The uh, slaves in the Dutch colonies were subjected to extreme physical, mental, and sexual violence. The Netherlands is one of the European societies with the most direct and extensive links to slavery, according to Pepjen Branden, professor of global economic and social history at the Free University of Amsterdam. The apology comes a week after a report found that people within the Dutch foreign ministry had been exposed to racist comments. Some were even passed over for promotion due to their skin color or ethnic origins. Within the same department, the foreign ministry, African countries were described in internal communications as, quote, monkey countries. An apology from the foreign minister followed. He acknowledged that the report may damage the country's reputation overseas. You think? The Netherlands has been accused of perpetuating and institutionalizing racism. In 2020, the then UN rapporteur on racism found that a self-image of tolerance was blocking the tackling of discrimination and systemic racism within the Dutch constabulary. Well, as long as there's blocking and tackling, there's got to be some passing. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Dasher can't even get airborne. He's down for the count with COVID. Dancer has been the absolute worst now he's got side effects from Paxlovid Prancer's got one pernicious cough 
spreading whatever he's got. Cupid's temperature is all over the place. He's cold, then he's hot. Supply chain hell for Santa. Nobody's pulling his sleigh. He'll be dropping off gifts by a Greyhound bus on this Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Vixen has been mixing with a highly contagious herd. Comet is stuck on vomit and his vision is totally blurred. The doctor says that Donner is way too sick to pass. Mucus is spritzing from blitzing. He can't step on the gas. Supply chain hell for Santa. Nobody's pulling his sleigh. He'll be dropping off gifts by a Greyhound bus on this Christmas Day, Christmas Day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the late, great Fred Willard. I'm so honored, Harry. Thank you for calling on me for this. And um, I, I am not a happy holidays guy. I am definitely a Merry Christmas guy. I'm just a step away from sitting by the fireplace and hoping for Santa Claus to come down the chimney. Um, and occasionally this time of year, my friends will say to me, Mr. Willard. Well, they call me Mr. Willard because many of them are still feeling a bit uncomfortable around me. Um, they'll say, what is the true story of Christmas? And I say, come on, we all know it. We've all heard it a thousand times. But I think this is the time and place. And um, CJ, you're on cue. And bear with me for the 1,001st telling of this evergreen. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And Caesar's wife, the evil queen, <laughs> spent her days shopping and looking in the mirror, saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? One day the mirror answered, it's your stepdaughter, the beautiful maid Marion. The queen decreed that a hunter should take Marion out into the woods and cut out her heart. But Marion escaped and a handsome prince found her slipper and followed her. He found her in a manger in Bethlehem, doing the only work she could do, 
scrubbing floors and taking care of a baby boy child named Jesus. But whose baby was it? Nobody knew. I know you've all heard this, but... So the prince and Marion and Jesus went to live in the prince's castle and be happy ever after. But the wicked queen kept searching for them. And on December 7th, a day that will live in infamy, she captured Marion and Jesus and hid them in a cave. She left them one candle with enough oil to last for only seven days. This, of course, was called the dreidel. Well, everything went crazy. It was a turbulent time. The birds were flying all over the place. The Japanese were fighting the Germans. The Germans were fighting the Russians. And Marion's little friends, Grumpy and Sneezy and Groucho, went to Santa's kingdom in the North Pole to get him to help. They thought he was dead. But a kiss from Grumpy awoke him. And it came to pass that Santa called out some reindeer. And together, Dasher and Dancer and Donner and Blitzen Sneezy and Grumpy and Groucho and Vixen flew to Bethlehem to try to save him. But lo, they couldn't find the cave. Now, if you know the rest of the story, be, feel free to go along with it. And it came to pass that Groucho's brother Zeppo had become an agent and enlisted the aid of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to lead them. Now a star shone in the east and the shepherds were sore and afraid. And Franklin Roosevelt, a great man, calmed them, saying, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. They found three wise men and bribed them with gold and Frank's incense and myrrh, which is a drink of milk and honey like mead. And the wise men pointed to where Jesus and Maid Marian were trapped. Well, together they huffed and they puffed and they rolled away the stone. And many people don't believe it, but this you have to believe. They rolled away the stone blocking the entrance and saved them. And the baby Jesus came out and saw his own shadow. <laughs> I know you've heard this a million times. He proclaimed that there would be six more weeks of winter. And to this day, that's why the baseball season doesn't start until April. And the seven dwarves chased the wicked queen back to her castle. And then Cupid shot her with an arrow and she was filled with love and realized that being the second best looking woman in the world wasn't all that bad. At least she believed she was the second best looking. And after all, the mirror wasn't about to correct her. And Santa celebrated by going all over the world, giving out presents. And that's why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. And as Santa flew overhead to the North Pole, he was heard to cry, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. And everyone's heart from that day forward was filled with love. And that's why on the day after Christmas, department stores throw open their doors and offer great sales. <laughs> the true story of Christmas. Thank you.
Girls are dressed in leather and the angels are in chains. The sugar plums are rancid and the stockings are in flames. There's a demon in my belly and a gremlin in my brain. There's someone up the chimney holding Satan is his name and it's Christmas with the devil. And the reindeer ran away. There'll be no Father Christmas 'cause it's evil's holiday. So come on, you unfaithful, don't be left out in the cold. You don't need no invitation. Your your ticket is your soul. Know that it's a Christmas with the devil.
He doesn't enjoy those privileges anymore. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, the news of microplastics, the total amount of microplastics deposited on the bottom of oceans has tripled in the past two decades. That's a progression that corresponds to the type and volume of consumption of plastic products by society. I blame society. This is the main conclusion of a study developed by the institution sorry, the Institute of Environmental Science and Technology of the Universitat Autonomo de Barcelona and the Department of the Built Environment of Alborg University. It provides the first high-resolution reconstruction of microplastic pollution from sediments obtained in the northwest Mediterranean. Despite the seafloor being considered the final sink from microplastics floating on the sea surface, let that sink in, Elon. The historical evolution of this pollution source in the sediment compartment, and particularly the sequestration and burial rate of smaller plastics on the ocean floor, is unknown. The new study, published in the journal Environmental Science and Technology, shows that microplastics are retained unaltered in marine sediments, and that the microplastic mass sequestered in the seafloor mimics the rate of global plastic production from 1965 to 2016. Quote, specifically, the results show that since 2000, the amount of plastic particles deposited on the seafloor has tripled 
and that far from decreasing, the accumulation has not stopped growing, mimicking the production and global use of these materials, says one of the researchers involved. They explain that the sediments analyzed have remained unaltered on the seafloor since they were deposited decades ago. This has allowed us to see how, since the 1980s, but especially in the past two decades, the accumulation of polyethylene and polypropylene particles from packaging bottles and food films has increased, as well as polyester from synthetic fibers in clothing fabrics. A lot of poly. Polyester... No, sorry, polypropylene is the most abundant, followed by polyethylene and polyester. Despite awareness campaigns on the need to reduce single-use plastic, data from annual marine sediment records show we're still far from achieving this. Get your polys while you can. They're right there at the bottom of the ocean. And now, it's still a smart world. The accounting firm Mazers Group, which uh, worked for years for Donald Trump, is uh, cleaning its skirts. It suspended all work with crypto clients. The description to cut ties with Binance, QCoin, and Crypto.com comes just after the global accounting firm released proof-of-reserve reports for several digital asset exchanges. The move comes as major current cryptocurrency exchanges look to prove their solvency and to show they have enough money to cover customer withdrawals. The uh, CEOs of Binance and Crypto.com have looked to distinguish their own business practices from what happened at FTX, whose founder, Sam Bankster fraud, uh, Bankman Fried, uh, Freed, is facing multiple counts of fraud and money laundering. Mazars fired the Trump organization as a client last February, citing a lack of reliability in the organization's financial statements. And now it has paused its activity relating to the provision of proof-of-reserve reports for entities in the cryptocurrency sector due to the concerns about the way these reports are understood by the public. They're blaming the public? Really? The statement added, Mazar's proof-of-reserve reports are performed in accordance with reporting standards relevant to an agreed-upon procedures report. They do not constitute either an assurance or an audit opinion on subject matter. Instead, they report limited findings based on the agreed procedures performed on the subject matter at a historical point in time. The statement continued to whine. Both Bitcoin and Binance's own token took a dip on the news. And I don't mean in the pool of blood. Now, from Ars Technica, an eight-car collision on Thanksgiving Day is being blamed on Tesla's full self-driving assistance system, so-called. The crash took place in California's Bay Area on Interstate 80, left one person hospitalized, eight others with minor injuries. According to Reuters, a California highway patrol on the incident says a Tesla Model S traveling 
on Interstate 80 at 55 miles per hour, crossed several lanes of traffic, and then slowed abruptly to just 20 miles per hour, at which point it triggered the crash as other cars still traveling at highway speed had no chance to avoid the slow-moving electric vehicle. Reuters says the driver blames the crash on the controversial full self-driving system, which he claimed malfunctioned. Police were unable to determine if the software was in operation or if his statement was accurate. Cops may not be able to clear that up. CNN spoke with, spoke with a CHP, Highway Patrol spokesperson, who told the outlet it would not determine if full self-driving was active. Tesla would have that information. That system has been implicated in more and more crashes. In late 2021, Tesla had to issue a recall for cars running firmware linked to so-called phantom braking events where bad software inappropriately triggered the car's automatic emergency braking systems. That's just one of, of a litany of problems, according to Ars Technica, associated with Tesla's assistance systems, which have uh, spawned at least 38 NHTSA investigations by this past summer. FSD, fully self-driving, just happens to be an important revenue stream for Tesla. Earlier this year, Elon Musk told investors it will, quote, become the most important source of profitability for Tesla. There's a clue. And the company has repeatedly increased the price of the software package known as fully self-driving. It now costs an extra $15,000. That ought to help with uh, Twitter, don't you think? Originally, access to the beta software of fully self-driving was by invitation only. And... uh, Using it depended upon maintaining a high score in a driver monitoring system. Now Tesla has opened the beta up to any car with the right hardware. And they did it on the same day as the eight-car crash. And a smart world can be a sexy world. An iRobot Roomba, you know, that robot vacuum cleaner, took an intimate or took intimate photographs of a woman on the toilet and a young child. Those photos were then shared on Facebook. According to a report by the MIT Technology Review, the sensitive photos were taken by development versions of the Roomba J7 series of robot vacuums way back in 2020. The images were then sent to Scale AI a startup that contracts workers around the world to label audio, video, and photo data used to train artificial intelligence. It's just for training the woman on the toilet. From there, the photos were reportedly shared on private groups on Facebook and the chat app Discord by IT workers in Venezuela. MIT Technology Review obtained 15 screenshots of these private photos, which had already been posted to closed social media groups. Uh, The woman on the toilet has her face blocked in the main image, but is unobscured in a set of shots below it. 
Another image, a boy who appears to be eight or nine years old and whose face is visible lies on his stomach across from the household gadget on a hallway floor. Spokesperson for iRobot, which makes the Roomba. And guess who's buying iRobot? That's right, Amazon confirmed that the images had been captured by its devices. Some two million images had been shared with Scale AI. The spokesperson for iRobot added the pictures had been taken by special development robots with hardware and software modifications that are not and never were present on iRobot consumer products for purchase. The devices had been given to paid collectors and employees who had signed written agreements acknowledging that any data collected by the iRobot, including video, could sent, be sent by the company back to itself for training purposes. Special test devices had been marked with a sticker that made it clear video recording was in progress and it advised test subjects to, to quote, remove anything they deem sensitive from any space the robot operates in including children, unquote. iRobot declined to let MIT Technology review the consent agreements and did not make any of its paid collectors or employees available to discuss their understanding of the terms. Both iRobot and Scale AI admit the sharing of images on social media violated their agreements. Scale AI also says that contract workers sharing the pictures breached their own agreements, too. The images came from devices in France, Germany, Spain, the U.S., and Japan. The incident reveals the flaws in a system in which huge amounts of data are exchanged between tech manufacturers and third-party companies that help improve their artificial intelligence algorithms. And finally... Parental control apps may do more harm than good, according to researchers who found 18 bugs in eight Android apps with more than 20 million total downloads that could be exploited to, among other nefarious acts, control other devices on the parent's network. Two members of the SEC Vulnerability Lab, according to the Register, British Tech Journal, discovered the vulnerabilities and found that the parent web dashboards were susceptible to cross-site request forgery, in addition to being easily bypassed by the children they aim to protect. The buggy apps also make it fairly easy for miscreants to access both parents' and kids' data and devices, according to the researchers' report published this very week. The uh, researchers say the vendors are going to ad identify the uh, well. The security vulnerabilities have been identified, but they will be fixed in the near future, according to the vendors. After those patches are rolled out, the research duo said they'll release more technical details about the vulnerabilities. So it could get worse. Nearly all of the apps use some sort of tracking services. So there's that. Researchers highlighted privacy concerns surrounding these apps, which store and transmit sensitive information, including the list of installed apps, contacts, photos, GPS location, call metadata, children's usage of the apps, and in some cases, full contents of text messages. 
the uh, app vendors' locations raise some data security and privacy flags, too. For example, the web dashboard of Find My Kids sends varying amounts of data to a Russian tracking domain, the researchers wrote. So what's the solution? Unfortunately, there is no magic bullet. And as with all third-party apps, it's up to the user to review the vendor's terms and conditions as well as data collection, retention, and privacy policies and ideally to verify the information that the vendor provides. As the researchers note, parental control applications all seem to have various flaws, so it sadly comes down to your own risk assessment. Unquote. world is getting smarter every minute.
Well, so much for the holiday season. Regular business resumes next week, same time, same station, or on your audio device of choice, whenever you want it. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Thomas Walsh. No, actually to uh, Jennifer Lawson at WWNO New Orleans and to Pam Halstead. The email address for this broadcast, a playlist of the music you hear here, and so much more to see, read, and buy. All at harryshearer.com. And uh, I'm hanging with Elon still on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. written and performed by me. It comes to you through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station, the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long and stay warm.